Saturday the 7th of October 2017 This will be my penultimate entry for this book. I have so wanted to write to you and leave you a glimpse of what life was like for us in the year 2017. I also pray that the conception of a movement like the Genesis movement, which grows in the hearts and minds of each individual person and in their homes, will have had an impact on the future for you and you will be able to salvage the best of what was us and save yourselves or maybe we will stop sleepwalking in time to save you from the worst of us. Only time will tell and the time which yawns between you and me. This morning we were greeted with wonderful news when we fed our fish. We must have got their environment right because there is one tiny baby fish in the tank, obviously live-born sometime during the night. The children are beside themselves with excitement, and so are David and I. To celebrate this birth, we have called the new addition Bertha, hoping that she is a girl. I do hope that she thrives. We have kept our very large tank, low density with fish, and as naturally environmental as we can, with lots of rock and weeds. Lovely news. There is nothing more heartening than a new life. David has gone to the allotment this morning while I prepare lunch. He's going to cut the paths and mend the compost, which have collapsed under the new season collection. And he's going to re-erect the arch over which grows a lovely honeysuckle and leads into a section of our first plot. This afternoon it will be my turn to go down and start putting the redundant beds to bed for the winter months. Everything needs a rest. While I am done, they will make good the base where the greenhouse will be erected later this month. I'm sure that I will write some more a little later today and tomorrow, sometime later in the day, after the Harvest Festival service, I shall make my last entry for this book. But shall probably start writing the next one on Monday. Where writing is concerned, like talking, I seldom need a rest. After a really good salad for lunch, John G. Rosie, Cynthia and I spent two hours down the allotment. We managed to get two beds stripped and ready for the winter, while the children picked what might be the last of the raspberries. I gathered lots of purple and green kale and arms full of Swiss chard, three of what might be the last courgettes and a large bunch of flat-leaf parsley. Just as I was about to get into the car to come home, a fellow allotment holder came across and offered me some carrots. I said that that would be great and offered him some Swiss chard in exchange. That's what I like best about allotment life. There's a real culture of sharing and helping where we have our plots. There are a group of men who are affectionately called the old boys, all retired, and if they see anyone struggling with their plot, or if anyone is ill, they are always there to offer a helping hand. Nobody has to get behind on their land. They meet at the allotment every weekday, morning, and make tea together. One of them has a daughter who has stables, and the old boys sell really good quality staple manure very cheaply to make money to buy the biscuits that they have with their tea. That's the kind of world that I like to live in. 
It is now time to feed everyone again and to relax together in front of the fire. The chutney was finally made and its brown, scrummy, glistening contents in the jars on the shelf in the pantry, waiting to be paired together with farmhouse cheese and crusty homemade bread. Wonderful for Christmas presents or gifts to give to hostesses of festive parties. Apples are in the freezer and marrows are cooked and frozen down with sautéed onions and chopped tomatoes. All the excess fruits that we have picked from the garden are now frozen down into containers or made into jams and jellies for winter tea times. One freezer drawer filled with homegrown broad beans, another stacked with sweet corn cobs, and so on, all three freezers full for the winter. It is the time when I feel most like a squirrel. We still, at the allotment, have cabbages, kale, leeks, Swiss chard, Jerusalem artichokes and red cabbage for Christmas. Spinach, celery, which has been snoozing under the tall earthenware pots that David made as cloches by removing the bottoms in order to plant them. And finally, the Brussels sprouts, waiting for the first frost to improve their taste. All is well. Sunday the 8th of October 2017 This morning we were all up early for church. The bells were ringing as we left the house, calling the faithful to come. The bells are carried up our side of the valley and probably up the other side too and they have been ringing that way for hundreds of years while families swallow the last remnants of their breakfast, grab coats and hats and make their way to congregate in this most lovely of little churches. As we entered this morning, the smell of ripe apples drifted up through our nostrils, awakening that sense to receive other pungent, evocative autumnal scents, chrysanthemums, the earthy smells of other vegetables. Another sense, it startled into awareness as the eyes are struck by the most wonderful flower arrangements throughout the church. Apples perched on ledges above the ancient stone pillars. Marrows and squashes of all shapes and sizes, some from our allotment, and then in front of the altar, the magnificent wheat sheaf loaf with its shiny golden crust ears of corn and small image of a mouse cleverly baked in at the bottom. We took our seats and in a short while the choir made its entrance in its usual grand style, entering the main body of the church via the vestry. Behind came our rector. The service began with a choir lead, full-bodied rendering of Come ye thankful people, come. The harvest service commenced. These lovely words of praise were written in the service book. Lord, we praise you for the fields around our village, the field of wheat and barley, for oilseed, rape and maize, for healthy herds, for sheep and pigs. We praise you for the harvest of the local hedgerows, for the straggling bramble, for black showers of elderberry, for mushrooms nesting in the dewy grass. We praise you for the harvest of gardens and allotments, for earthy roots and crackling cabbage, for hanging beans and striped courgettes. 
Lord, we praise you for the harvest of talents in this church, for buildings well maintained, for flower arrangements and music, for responsible stewardship, for charities supported. We praise you for the harvest of fellowship here, for friends made and support given, for people with whom to laugh and with whom to weep. Lord, we praise you for the harvest of prayer in this place, for commitment deepened, for discipleship taken up, for the cross carried and the burdens borne. I should also like to add to these words the giving of thanks for a minister who leads in this way. Our rector then delivered a sermon which really encumbers all the things that I am so passionate about and have tried to bring to light in my book. The importance of thinking carefully about how we buy, about unnecessary packaging, the air miles that food's journey to get to our plate. He used a pizza as an example, showing how many miles the ingredients the pizza had made to get to our plates. My heart was lifted by his sermon to hear the Genesis message of good stewardship preached in the pulpit would get the churches and its people on the move to a better, more caring world. I left the church with the harvest hymns still ringing in my ears and my heart high with hope. The journey back has begun. I'm going to make the last entry of this book, my dear great-great-grandchildren. One of my most favourite poems for this time of year, written by David. It embodies for me the whole essence of autumn. It reminds me of all the hundreds of walks that we have taken through this wonderful season. The smells, the sights that greet you as you turn a corner and the new blaze of autumn explodes in your senses. And that overwhelming feeling that God is good. So good to paint such a canvas for us to live with him. May God help us to be the good stewards that he intended us to be and care for this world as well as he cares for us. Farewell for now, my dearest great-great-grandchildren, until I write to you again in my next journal, Autumn into Winter. In the meantime, I will leave you with David's poem. This time of year makes me think of falling apples and old coats hanging on cloakroom doors and gales of foliage hanging heavy-eyed on yawning trees that give up in a squall of fire. Those first deep frosts that long cold nights achieve. Old friends, new books, new things to learn, games of rugby on thawing turf. Frozen ears and reddened cheeks and mud caked to boots and knees. It makes me think of walks through the local woods, leaf mould, wild mushrooms in morning fields and a harvest of memories like piles of leaves and the hunter moon drifting into winter high in the morning sky and there's the actual harvest the one where God gives or bears away the apples, the sloes, the hedgerow fruits puffballs with eggs for breakfast the horse chestnuts for children and squirrels and acorns and berries and insects that contest the icy breeze. There's the occasional wasp, hopeful, in a warming sun, strong enough to burn through November mists, soon to freeze. And the coming of the night, 
the turn and the true seasons change. The equinox reaching out to celebrate the darkness. The last mow that gathers grass and fruit and leaves and laying down to steep our gardens and plots. The tending of our compost with rolled up sleeves. This year's unwanted growth to be broken by weather and worms. And last year's to mulch earth with gladness. And there there's wood smoke and potash on plot and at home. Flames burning wild or tame to frame our memories. It makes me think of a walk home, past fields and trees, light in sharp relief against the storm. This is my favourite thing, to make it home before the weather breaks, and then that very particular light as a cloud retreats. This is a season when the earth receives its blessing from the crop, and the first fruits are offered up to the church that still believes. I think of my morning walks with my chocolate lab. I can smell the autumn, the fungi, the wet leaves, and even the foxes, its scent hanging in the breeze. But not like him alert in every moment, most of which I miss, and the poem for my father. How I wished my grief had been covered by autumn's protective gales, rather than on the quiet of the vernal equinox which is when he died. In time, I was grateful for the stillness, which waits and for a moment grieves.